The long-standing relationship between France and Germany is in crisis. Their leaders are meeting in Paris following disagreements on the war in Ukraine, defense and energy policies. What sort of fallout could there be if the EU's two biggest economies can't find common ground? I'm Derina Bougueda. You're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's now bring in our guest. Joining us from Brussels is Peter Kleppe, who's the editor of BrusselsReport.eu. That's a news website on EU matters. In Magdeburg, Germany, is Eva Heidebreder, professor of multi-level governance in Europe at Otto von Goerke University of Magdeburg. And in Brussels is Julian Hotz, who's a European policy specialist and member of Renaissance. That's a French governing party. Welcome to you all. Thanks so much for your time with us on Inside Story. Eva, over to you first. Is this a relationship in crisis? I'm not sure if we're really heading for a deep, deep crisis. Uh, what we know of what makes the German-French relationship so important for the EU overall is that German and French positions are often quite far apart. But if Germany and France manages to, to, to resolve their problems, um, it is usually deals that uh, many other EU member states can also stand behind because they come from different ends. Now, what is different maybe this time? Um, the, the, the level of, of stress and pressure is extremely high and uh, it, it works a bit as a, as a, as a catalyst to pre-existing tensions. Uh, and you already mentioned uh, defense issues, how to invest in what in defense, um, and also uh, the internal treatment of energy, the internal energy markets and internal energy policies. Um, have fundamental differences. And those, those uh, two differences are really emphasized by the crisis at the moment. Plus, I think, I think that is a crucial, turn, uh, crucial point in all of that. There are fundamental differences between Berlin and Paris, but long-standing differences on how to manage your fiscal policy and how to finance things. And all these things come together in resolving these problems now. And I wouldn't be too, too skeptical that these points cannot be overcome, but it's a long way. And uh, it is really exceptional that these meetings, these ministerial meetings have been canceled uh, and it's not going very smoothly. Right. Great part of it to do with that. But um, I would generally say, stay positive and say um, it's hard work. Okay, you've that raised a number of issues part. and we're certainly going to drill down into some of the reasons uh, the relationship appears to be factitious in just a moment. But first, let me go over to uh, Julian, because uh, uh, one of the leading French newspapers, Julian, uh, in an editorial, described the Franco-German relations as glacial. Uh, is that uh, an assessment you agree with? We need to frame everything in the fact that media outlets are frequently trying to get more viewers, so they tend to maybe hype things up a little bit, especially when it comes to crises like this. But we have to be honest that there is a very serious problem with the Franco-German relationship right now, because not only have we got the German government going uh, solo when it comes to energy policy now and ignoring the ability to work with the French and other EU states, annoying everybody. Not only do we have the German government now pushing for China to purchase key infrastructure in the dock of uh, Hamburg, and not only do we have the snub from the meeting last week, the summit, which is very important and happens every year, 
But recently we've had a string of events where the German government, most likely due to internal uh, wrangling and trying to solidify some position at home, has been snubbing the French government in several ways. Last month, there was a, uh, a supposed meeting between Elisabeth Borne, the Prime Minister, and uh, Olaf Schulz, which was first cancelled, then a video conference was cancelled afterwards because Schulz was too sick to attend. And then a few hours after this, the uh, Olaf Schulz appeared in a uh, video at the press conference, whether that was done at the time or not, where he announced this 200 billion euro energy relief package that he had discussed with absolutely nobody. So there seems to be a lot of freewheeling, irresponsibly in many ways, by the friend, German government, sorry, which is rubbing Paris the wrong way. And this is a problem at a time of geopolitical crisis when we have crises in Ukraine, Iran, Afghanistan, and many other places where we need this solidarity. Okay, let's bring in Peter. Give us your thoughts on why this could be happening now and whether you agree with what uh, uh, Julian had to say, describing uh, German behavior as, quote, irresponsible. Well, I do think that we see indeed a change, and the explanation is relatively simple. It is that uh, Germany is becoming a normal country. It does no longer uh, feel the need to, to, uh, to make certain concessions uh, because of its uh, World War II guilt, basically, uh, to the extent that it used to make these concessions. Uh, however, that said, I think if you look at uh, what both sides are annoyed uh, about, um, you know, the solution is not necessarily so uh, complicated. Um, to sum up, I think um, the solution is to try to remain within the spirit of, uh, of European cooperation. And if you, for example, look at the, the 200 billion relief package, uh, uh, mass spending by the German government to help its companies, I mean, clearly this is not in line with the single market, with fair competition. So I think the French definitely have a point. On the other hand, uh, when France is asking for price regulation and Germany uh, warning that if you regulate the prices of gas, you may end up uh, with uh, no gas, um, I think uh, there, um, to look at it from the European spirit uh, and the market mechanism, uh, Germany is more on the right side of affairs. Also, when it comes to this gas pipeline that uh, Germany would be keen on between, um, you know, Spain and, and, and Germany, uh, probably also France could uh, rethink its um, its opposition. So, so uh, these differences are can definitely be bridged, but it basically uh, entails Germany to understand that uh, it is fine to pursue its own self-interest, but it is in the self-interest of Germany to stick to the original spirit of of, of European cooperation and to the, the the fundamentals of the of the single market. Okay, let's drill down now into some of the specifics. Uh, you've all mentioned them, uh, but I'd like to focus on defense to begin with. So, uh, Eva, the defense strategy, as we've been saying, is, is one issue. Uh, commentators over in France have uh, said that the way that Berlin has chosen to go to, down its own way rather than find an accord with Paris, for example, when it comes to buying F-35 fighter jets from the United States, why would this alarm France, Eva? Well, the, 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 the big term, which was also um, central for uh, France's presidency of the rotating EU presidency in the beginning of this year, in the first half, um, was European sovereignty to establish uh, defense capacities that uh, give Europe um, 
an autonomous, uh, well, leeway, uh, that based on um, armies that are not very capable, actually. So the 100 billion in, in, in Germany are money to fill gaps. We have been just shifting material from one part to another part of the army to keep different parts operational, but then always ending up with other parts not being operational. Um, and uh, the gaps are big. And this money is not even money that will be a permanent budget. So we, the German army really needs much, much more money. Uh, and uh, in order to overcome these huge back gaps immediately, um, the approach is this time to buy it from Iraq, not to develop in that. And uh, this causes a lot of irritation for joint, for a more sustainable Europe-based uh, defense capacity building right. uh, on the French that is the background, and uh, like, let me just add, a lot of this, I think, has to do with internal struggles of the German governing coalition to come to terms with, with a hype of problems. And that explains a lot, not only as Peter said, that Germany has become an anomaly country, we see it in defense and in other fields in different ways, um, which also, as Peter said, yeah, takes and, the German government longer to understand. Right, and so, uh, Julian, that is something that you brought up a moment ago, that this could have uh, something to do with uh, Germany's domestic politics, the differences uh, that we are now witnessing between Germany and France. Julian, but let me ask you about this issue of a cap on gas prices, which uh, Germany is against uh, and France wants. How big is the difference there, and how do you narrow the difference? I mean, like everything, like uh, Peter just said and like Eva just said, it's going to be a question of actually these countries cooperating. France needs to cooperate with Germany and Germany needs to cooperate with France. But as Eva just uh, reiterated, the German coalition right now is currently in the middle of a conflict internally where the Greens don't want to follow the FDP line, the FDP line doesn't want to work with the SPD's line, and the SPD don't want to listen to the Greens either. So you have an issue, particularly when it comes to nuclear power, and this is impacting the prices. But just to go back to what uh, Eva just said about the defense, uh, it's true that, uh, for example, when he announced the 100 million in defense, I believe I saw analysis that said that half of that was going to be spent on just replenishing uh, rotted munitions for the armaments of the German uh, military. But I don't think that that's the, the only thing. There's also been a series of issues where Germany decided to uh, end work on the Franco-German Tiger helicopter, which was going to be a key part of both countries' air force and a European Air Force, they've cancelled joint Navy patrols, and by signing the air defense shield with, I think it was 13 NATO states, and yeah, not including 13. France. That's and, right, NATO members, yeah. Yes, this is a, a problem because normally, and it's, it's strange because normally we see France being accused of going uh, rogue and doing things about its German partner, but now we're seeing the German state is, for whatever reason, trying to move away from the Franco-German engine which is neither good or bad if it's done in the right way and it includes everybody, but it's a problem for the Franco-German relationship. Okay, and on the issue of uh, the energy crisis, of course, uh, largely as a result of the Ukraine war, Peter, uh, Germany's decision to offer 200 billion dollars, uh, euros, excuse me, in state aid to businesses and households to get them through that energy crisis, this was seen as a betrayal by France. Um, is Germany right to go at this alone, though? Uh, no, as I mentioned, I think uh, it's not very hard to see this as a violation of fair competition within the European Union. Uh, subsidies are banned. 
Uh, and, you know, if you're talking about such a massive uh, support program, it's hard to argue that this is merely supporting um, uh, businesses um, in, a, in a reasonable manner. This goes way uh, beyond. Uh, certainly when you have the same government that st still has not decided to keep its uh, nuclear power stations open, I mean, if you're in the middle of the energy crisis, it's, it's, uh, it's just surprising to see that anybody could still argue uh, to, in favor of shutting down perfectly functional nuclear plants. And uh, you can say of France what you want, and the French government has not always pursued, pursued perfect policies, but when it comes to energy, when it comes to geostrategy, to defense, France has always been a very responsible government. And I think Germany in, on those areas should probably learn from France. It can, of course, uh, make its own decisions, but like the decision to now sell off part of the the port of Hamburg to, um, to uh, um, you know, a conglomerate that is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. This is also very puzzling, especially if you look at the situation that Germany is in after it had made itself way too dependent of uh, Russian gas, not only because it's shutting down nuclear, but also because it has uh, reduced investment in, in domestic uh, fossil fuels. You know, it's one thing to shut down um, fossil fuel production. It's another thing to start with shutting down uh, European fossil fuel production. You would expect to first reduce non-European uh, fossil fuels import uh, before you shut down your own fossil fuel uh, production. So, so I think Germany uh, can really learn a lot um, uh, from the French government uh, uh, Peter, in those areas. Peter, you were areas. mentioning China just a moment ago. I'll just stick with you uh, on this one question because there is also the issue of China uh, and the German chancellor does have a plan to travel to China reportedly alone next month without European uh, partners. How is that being viewed, do you think, uh, not only in France, but in Europe, other countries in Europe? Well, this is, of course, confirming uh, the analysis that after having made itself too dependent on Russia, Germany is, is repeating the same mistake with China. I mean, I'm a little, I'm, I'm personally willing to forgive Germany a little bit on that. I think the relationship with China is simply very, very complex. I mean, do we stop all trade with China? That's not a good idea. Uh, do we become way too dependent on China? That's obviously also not a good idea. So I frankly think some kind of a middle ground uh, will have to be uh, found. Um, and um, the fact that Germany has now decided to go on, on its own, well, it could, for example, correct that by uh, you know organizing yet another mission with other European partners at the later stage. So, so it's possible to mend this, uh, but uh, yeah, to get it right with China, I think it's, uh, it's not easy. Okay, um, uh, Julian, how will allies be looking at all of this? Will they be rattled by these divisions? Well, I think non-European allies may just believe that this is a, um, a speed bump and that things will get back on track. And we'll be hoping that things do get back on track because, I mean, on military matters, we need to be coordinated. On energy matters, we definitely need to be coordinated as it reduces our possibility of being blackmailed by rogue states like the Russian states. But just to go back to the point on China very quickly, this is becoming a problem because across the EU, a lot of states are asking themselves, why on earth is Germany going on its own to China to meet Xi Jinping? as if they're rushing to be the first person to go and see uh, the new leader new, in uh, China. When, for example, when the European Commission was making trips to China, they obviously did a big effort to get everybody involved. When France was organizing trips to go to China to visit, they brought along European leaders as well. 
And Germany seems to be bucking this trend purely because of, I mean, I'm not sure if Ivo or Peter will agree with me, but um, pure self-interest. They're trying to position themselves rather than positioning the European Union. Okay, let and me bring in Eva at this point. Let me bring in Eva on this point. And, and, uh, and not just particularly on China, Eva, but if we can, just for the sake of time, if we can talk about uh, moving forward, how does trust um, uh, begin to get repaired between uh, the two leaders of, of France and Germany? And looking ahead also, Eva, do you think this is going to be a... Uh, lead to some sort of redefinition or a reset of Franco-German relations? Well, first, I think Germany won't be able to solve any of those problems, not in energy, not in defense uh, and, and, and uh, international relations without um, a European, a strong European element. Uh, and I think energy has been a national policy. Um, there is high pressure on it, and we are at the beginning of a very hard, hard negotiation and process. And we're coming from very different sides. Germany said on the natural gas card to get a green transition. This won't work anymore. And it's there, and all the points about nuclear energy that have been said. Germany has a long history of getting out of nuclear energy and back in. The, the national price of getting back in is extremely high, and it's complicated. China is a big issue in Germany. This sell this, uh, this, this deal with a port. It is a government intervention and it's, the, it's Scholz personally who has been pushed by six ministers who were against selling um, and strong opposition to reduce the share that China is buying to 25% so that they don't have a blocking minority. And there's other European ports that have sold parts of it, big ports. So on all these issues, we need EU coordination. Um, okay, so do Germany the... and France then, Eva, have the political will to reassure their European allies that they still are the driving force behind the EU? I'm not sure if we if, if that is the, the immediate signal and, and that will work, but um, I'm quite positive there will uh, be, as, as Peter said, uh, learning and understanding that uh, without the cooperation it won't work. And, Maybe it's still a bit too early for Germany to say we will do it through a EU budget, but I don't see for resolving certain issues um, a way around it. Okay, for let me bring in the... Peter. Final word to you, Peter. We have about a minute left on the program. Uh, are European allies going to be reassured uh, in any way going forward? Uh, well, when you're talking about, um, you know, uh, repairing the relationship, I think we just need to go back to the original spirit of, uh, of European cooperation. Uh, and uh, one of the things France is pushing for together with Italy is uh, extra European debt. I mean, I, I don't think that's that's the solution now. You typically see that this uh, undermines unity. Um, transfers cause uh, big tensions and discussions. So I would definitely avoid that now. Uh, Julian, final word to you. Uh, how do you see this playing out? I mean, I think like a lot of the issues that encountered the Franco-German pair, particularly when it was Merkel and uh, Sarkozy or Chirac, I believe, or even Hollande, there are going to be some tough points. There are going to be difficulties. And we got it easy a bit with the uh, Macron's relationship with Merkel and Olaf Scholz to this point. But I think that like with all the other predecessors, these two will come to a... An agreement, even if it comes through pressure through the parliamentary or the ministers or other actors, because these states understand the importance of European unity, of European cooperation, and this is something that has made the Franco German couple so powerful and so influential. So I think we will see a resolution, but the problem is how long will that take?
Yeah, that is the big question. Okay, thank you so much. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Peter Kleppe, Eva Heiderberder, and Julian Hose. We appreciate your time. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Eng, Nihad El Abadi, Fungin Guyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Sentel Maramithu. The program was edited by Sarun Murali, Lynn Guyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday. Thank you.